Kingdom, you know, no junk for Jesus boxes in, all right? Um, but uh, don't, yeah, she set the bar high. It's, it's, that's all right. You know, you just, what's that? Yeah, it is easier to pack with the with the little bigger bike. You can get bigger stuff in there. And yes, I I totally agree with you. And, and just remember, every box that you bring here, if you're part of our church family, directly, indirectly, I'm just saying don't advertise this, okay? Uh, but the church is paying the, was it nine bucks a box now? Yeah, maybe it's up. I think it's up from there. So it, it's, a, you know, so if you'd feel led to help the church out in that area, you know, we do that as a corporate to help incentivize all of us to get boxes together because, you know, if you do four boxes, you know, that's 40 bucks just in the, in the shipping end of it. But the Lord's always taken care of it. It's always been good. And we've always lived on the principle that if you just give and keep other people first, God takes care of stuff and he has. And uh, so here we are. All right. Um, also, next Sunday is Time Change Sunday. Jenny reminded me. But I think next one's the good one, right? And that's when we get the extra hour of sleep, right? All right. So this is the sluggards week uh, coming up here. Um, you know, I like that one better than the, the well, which we're going to talk about here in a, mil, in a minute, you know, the diligent ones, you know, you early risers, which I used to be part of that team. But any rate, all right, this morning we're going to continue on uh, on our series, Let's Be Reasonable. We start, started several weeks ago. I don't think I'm going to use this chair today, but maybe. Um, and I hope you've been enjoying this series as we've been going through Romans chapter 12, verse by verse uh, on this pivotal chapter in the book of Romans. Uh, you remember we've titled the series out of uh, verse number one where, where God begs us as believers to be a, uh, a living sacrifice that we would offer reasonable service. We saw that in verse one and two and then we saw that it's done by fulfilling God's call, God's will in our life. And then verses three through eight we saw that the Spirit of God has gifted every believer with a ministry to fulfill, that God gave you something to do inside the body of Christ. Now, last week, we looked at the principles that reasonable service as believers is founded upon love, agape love, but then in verse, uh, I think it's verse 10 or so, he says, be kindly affection. And we saw that God in his mercy understood that we struggle giving agape love, a, a selfless love, and he said, just give it a phileo love, a friendship love. Be nice to one another and prefer one another. Now today, we're going to continue on in our series in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to look at verses 11 to 13. And um, today we're going to ask or answer the question, and I think what God is answering here is, okay, if I'm supposed to give reasonable service and I'm supposed to do it through the body of Christ, how do I do that? Or maybe what I get frequently is, what can I do? You know, sometimes you, you meet the, maybe in the church, there's the, you know, the type A personality that's out there out front. And, and sometimes that's intimidating for those of you who, you know, don't like being in a crowd or you, you're not public speakers per se. And you know, well, what can I do? Or maybe you're a new Christian. Say, well, what can I do? And I believe these next verses are targeted at answering that question. Remember that many times Christians make the mistake of thinking that offering reasonable service is only done inside the visible church. In other words, the only place you can serve God is within these four walls. And that's just not a biblical concept. Now that being said, it ought to be the central location of where your reasonable service springs out of, but 
just because you don't teach a junior church doesn't mean, well, I get a pass. I guess I, I don't have that ability, so I guess I don't have to do anything. No, no, no. Um, remember, we saw that ultimately the goal of reasonable service is edifying the body of Christ, which is the church, which is people. And I don't know about you, but most of you are not inside this building seven days a week. And the rest of us pastors, we're thankful for that. You know, thank you for giving us a break. Y'all just leave, you know, no. But the ministry goes on throughout the week because it's about people, isn't it? It's about the church. And so that work goes on uh, throughout all, all the week and ultimately helping the church together fulfill the great commission of telling others the good news, which needs to be done seven days a week. So... Today, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 11 to 13. And one of the interesting things, let me geek out just for really, just a short, because I know in our audience this morning, some of you watching online, some of you guys are, are biblical geeks kind of thing, you know, you get into this stuff. But it, one of the things that I found interesting is that this, what we're going to study is a continuation of a paragraph that's in the original language in the Greek, which began back in verse number nine. And it's an interesting grammatical format in the Greek um, because it's a list of imperative participles, each that are paired with a noun that is in the dative case. Now, if you understand that, you're a geek, okay? Um, now, you're my favorite kind, but it, it's interesting, and we're going to, when I get near the end, we're going to use that a, a little bit. But you say, what does all that mean? What it means is in the, in the Greek language, which is very powerful, uh, the text is letting us know clearly what believers should be doing, what we can do to offer reasonable service. So, with that introduction in mind, what can I do? Um, let me, uh, let's read our text this morning beginning in verse number 11, all right? The Bible says, uh, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So what can I do? Number one, you can serve. Number one, we can serve. Not slothful in business, now, he doesn't mean there the small business administration, okay? So not slothful in business. Now, it brings application to that. I know this morning I got a lot of small business owners in here, and I can tell you that a business, small or large, are looking for people today that they can employ that will work hard. You would think that would not be a difficult thing to do, but if you own a business or you're around, it can be a hard thing to do today. Unfortunately, we've raised a generation that is used to just getting, just give it to me, and why should I work for it? Um, but that's not, technically there, the, the word business literally means diligence. He, he, he's saying, don't be slothful in the area of diligence that you've been assigned, that since you've been gifted, as he mentioned earlier in, the, in our passage here, and you have a responsibility to help edify the body of Christ, whatever that area of responsibility is that you are called to do, do it diligently. Don't be slothful. Don't be lazy. Don't be a procrastinator. I'll get to it. I know some of you in here battle with procrastination. All right. As a matter of fact, let's be honest. We all deal with that a little bit in our lives in one area or another. I'll, I'll, get, a, I'll, I'll get around to it. I, uh, I found a, a, little, a, a little meme on, uh, that came up on, I think it was on Facebook somewhere. You know, if good things come to those who wait, isn't procrastination a virtue? Um, I know some of you think that way, and uh, no, I don't, I don't know if it, if it technically is, but we're supposed to be, as he says, fervent in spirit. 
Again, the Greek words are real powerful here. He's saying have a fervency, a zealousness in our spirit. The, uh, the Greek word literally means to boil. That you're boiling up on the inside, not in anger, but in just like an effervescence. That boy, you know, I can't wait to serve God. I can't wait to see what God has for me today. And I got to tell you, you know, we all deal with in our lives, you know, oh God, what, do you, what am I here for? What is, what is my purpose and meaning in life? And, and we all go through times like that. But for a believer, we can be very certain that God has something for every one of us to do. And when we get involved in doing what God wants to do, I have found in my own personal life, that I find myself more fulfilled than I ever was before. People are so scared of the will of God. You know, God might call me to Africa. If he calls you to Africa, now you might start out by going, I don't like this place at all. That might be how you begin. But if it is truly his call, my experience with God has been, you're going to go, man, I can't believe this is the best place ever in the world. I mean, I let Jenny and I laugh about it all the time. We say, you know, I used to drive through Montgomery, Alabama on my way to Pensacola Christian College from Illinois, and I used to say to myself, who in the right mind would live in Montgomery, Alabama? <laughs> and I'm so thankful that God said, you don't have to, you get to live in Prattville. Thank you, Lord. Um, you know, but now, I was telling somebody on the phone the other day, we were on the phone, I can't remember who it was, Jim, we were on the phone with somebody out of state, and I said, uh, it was a buddy of mine from Indiana, it was with Christian, and I said, hey, I said, Chris, I said, man, there's no way, you'd, you'd have to, you know, I said, no, if God told me I had to leave, I'd leave because he's my boss. I said, but that's what it would take. He'd probably have to write in the sky, Ken, leave. And then he'd probably say, roll tide. <laughs> and I'd know it was Satan. Um... um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'll tell you, you get serving God and you know what God wants you to do. He's reminding us that we have a responsibility um, to, to be fervent in spirit, to be excited about serving God. Now, he, he, in this verse, he wraps all this idea up in verse 11 by saying, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, there you get that, that participle ending in ING in the English side. But uh, again, if I were doing a literal translation there, he'd be, I, I would say, he, he would say, and be slave serving. He's, you see, the Greek word there in verse number 11, serving the Lord, there's a, um, that doulos word is coming up in there. And many of you know in the Greek, that's the literally word for slave. And in Rome, at this day, there was a lot of the people that lived in the area of Rome that were slaves. Now, I always have to predicate that and say, understand there's varying different levels and types of slavery. The world has always known slavery, and sometimes we get in our high horse and we don't have slavery. Slavery still exists today. It does. Now, there's different formats of it, and, and if you want to take it to its extreme, you know, how many of you really want to get up and go to work tomorrow? I know you just can't wait to get back to IP if you work there. I know you just can't wait to get back, although DT says he'd like to go back, so, you know, maybe there. But in some ways, you know, we're, you know, I'm just slaving away down at the old plant, you know. Um, we have responsibilities, and it makes us have to be bound to certain things. And, you know, but in Rome at that time, there was different classes of people, and there were a lot of slaves that were there. So I, I, I'm sure that when Paul wrote this, this would resonate very, very uh, strongly there. And you'll remember that throughout the New Testament, many times Paul uh, referred to himself as a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. And like, for example, Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Jesus Christ. The Greek word there is doulos, the slaves of Jesus Christ. And that's how Paul viewed himself. 
Now, by the way, John does this same terminology, and Peter does, and Jude, and Timothy. These believers that experienced the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they considered themselves to willingly be slaves that were willing to offer a reasonable service and be living sacrifices for their faith. You see, Paul had dealt with this idea of being servants and being slaves and um, you ever find yourself enslaved to something that you don't want to be? Um, you and I can very easily be enslaved to hatred, bitterness, materialism. You see, earlier in this letter, back in Romans chapter 6, Paul had said this to these believers. He said, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being made then free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness." Paul's saying, now as a believer, you should be, uh, have a responsibility level that is like willingly going into, into slavery for righteousness. He said, but as believers, some of you are still serving the flesh. And the reality is that that verse brings so much relevant truth to our day. Whatever you are servant to is who you are slave of. And sometimes we allow things in our lives that become far more than God had ever intended them. And Satan is the master of taking things that in and of themselves can be good things. You know, most of you know, I love sports. But there are people that, man, they're a slave to that sports team. A slave to a bunch of millionaires who most of them could care less whether you exist or not as long as they get their paycheck. And again, I love sports. I don't, but boy, keep it in perspective. And some folks go, "Listen, man, I, I've said it before. I, if I, if, when I moved to the South, I said if I could get Christians to be as committed to their local church as they are their sports team, we'd have something there. Passionate, willing to paint yourself orange and blue or red and whatever, you know, to identify with your team." But boy, I'm not going to hand out somebody a gospel track. What might they think of me? See, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake, your doulos, your slave for Jesus' sake. He said, I'm going to do what's best for you as a slave. Imagine if a group of believers really live that way with each other. You know, I was blessed this morning in service. I was thinking about some of this rolling around in my head and somebody here in church I was talking to this morning is going to step out and use a gift that God has given them to be a blessing to somebody else in the church that's in need. I didn't have to, you know, usually if, you know, if, if it's DT, I have to take his arm and twist it and keep cranking it around until he, and then I have to say, Tommy, come help me. And then he, then he does what I want. But that's what it takes, you know. Um, now, loving one another. Just serving one another. He challenges throughout the scriptures, by the way, both slaves and masters or owners. And in Rome, some folks owned slaves. Some were better owners. Some were kind. Some were unkind. And bear in mind, many people chose to go into slavery because it was the best way for them to make a living, for them to have a life. 
It really had some variance. And you'll find in the Bible, which sometimes, you know, the critics will come after it, but they, again, are being disingenuous with human realities. And bottom line is, look at Colossians 3. Paul wrote this, God says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive the wrong for which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Basically, God says, if you are given a task, even if you find yourself in slavery, and again, I am not justifying slavery. I'm thankful to be free. I'm thankful that we fought in this nation a, a horrendous war to, to free every human being based on not, you know, by any color of your skin or any kind of racism. I steadfastly oppose any of that type of stuff. But the bottom line is, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And if you're at a place in your, of, of work and you say, I don't even like this place, they might not be, be doing you right. And I think every one of us in here this morning at some point in your life has been there. You didn't like where you were at. But if you're a Christian, you're not doing it for such and such company. As a Christian, he says, you're, you're doing it as unto Christ. And by the way, he says at the end of all that, if somebody does wrong, if, if somebody who's a master, a boss, they do wrong, God knows. If a servant does wrong, God knows. And if you think that somebody's going to get away with whatever they're going to go away with according to the word of God, no, they're not. God says, you know, you, you down there on earth, you fallen sinful human creatures who had this idea of slavery, which was never intended by me. You're going to have these, these relationships. Understand one thing, that ultimately every human being will stand before God Almighty. Going to happen. There's no respecter of persons with him. So whether you're at church the Christian is always supposed to be serving the Lord. So whatever you're doing in obedience to God's will, do it with zeal and zealousness. You know, I've noticed, and now I don't know, I don't get too conspiratorial here this morning, but remember a few weeks ago when the, when the FEMA national alert went out and you're supposed to put your phone in, in, in foil and put it in the microwave or something? Um, apparently we don't have a lot of conspiracy theorists here, um, you know, but uh, you're looking at, what? Okay, let that just go right over your head. You're, you're the smarter for not knowing that, okay? You're better off. Um, um, but um, the last several weeks in my phone, if you all call me and leave me a voicemail, this happened to Pastor Cody. Pastor Cody came home was like last Tuesday. And when he got back into town, he graciously let his boss know that he was back in town and what the status of the family was, which I really appreciated. And I saw that I missed a call, so I ended up getting back to him. But Thursday, like six o'clock at night, I'm walking in my house with, had my phone in my hand and all of a sudden it buzzes and it says, you have new voicemail. And it said it was Pastor Cody. So I went into fear-mongering about the Friday night drive-in movie night sponsor. We must have so much of problems and Cody needs to talk to me. So I eagerly went to my voicemail only to find out that it's a voicemail he left me from Tuesday. I don't like that kind of zealousness. It must be the droid phones are slowing the whole system down. <laughs> I'm not getting a lot of amens on that one. So something I have no idea what he's talking about. You ever seen you go to the zoo a sloth? They are cute little boogers, aren't they? 
but they don't get anywhere real fast. And this is a true story. I thought, you know, it's always nice to get warm and fuzzlies to show everybody a sloth because we can do it. And while I was doing that, one of y'all, one of the odd Baptists, was kind enough to go visit a sloth. There's Maggie and Tatum uh, with, with a sloth. I, I don't know if that's a real live sloth or a stuffed animal sloth. I mean, how could you tell? They move so slow. <laughs> All I know is it's amazing to me how fast I will move to serve my flesh. When it's something I want, <laughs> it's amazing how quickly I can get done and get where I want to be, sometimes when it's not where I ought to be, as opposed to how slow I am to do what God wants me to do. So number one thing everyone can do, every single one can serve wherever God has called you to serve. Second thing everybody can do. What can I do? Well, you can endure. Notice in our text, verse number 12, he goes on and says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Serving requires enduring. As we've seen, true Christian service is rooted in love for the Lord and love for others, but it's hard. It's hard to love one another. It's hard to endure. And that's why I love the phraseology here of rejoicing in hope. And then he says, patient or enduring in tribulation, always in prayer. You see, if love is the foundation of reasonable service, what does the Bible have to say about love? Well, remember in uh, that famous verse in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, in verse 7, love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. That's what the Bible says about godly love. It endures. It goes through tough times. And there's a blessing the Bible gives to believers that endure. Uh, James, the book of James, a very hard-hitting book. In James chapter number 1, where he's talking to believers that are going through great times of struggle and trial. And, and he says, blessed is that man, in verse 12, that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Love endures. If a Christian loves the Lord, they endure. And whatever God has allowed in their life, they just endure. The Bible says, no, it's not easy. Paul referred to it and compared it to being in the military again. If thou therefore endure, 2 Timothy 2, 3, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes I get worried today. I'm not going to lie that sometimes I'm like, you know, other countries in the world are training their military, uh, you know, to, to fight and win wars. In our military, you know, right now, unfortunately, we're too concerned whether what gender someone wants to identify themselves to be. We're worried if, if we can have facial hair or not. We're worried about if somebody's feelings are going to get hurt. We're, we're worried about if in basic training, can, can the, the weakest among us who want to be in the military, can they cut the mustard? And we better make sure that we can lower all the standards, you know? When the, when the shooting starts, I don't know about you, but I want the toughest, meanest, baddest guys, men. I hate this is going to be revolutionary information here this morning. But if we split up sides right now this morning and we put all the men over here and we put all the women over here and we said, whoever is left standing gets to choose what we eat for lunch for the rest of our lives. <laughs> oh yeah, I've got some. <laughs> Somebody check on uh, Will Sanchez. Um, maybe we need a welfare check out there at the San, although Sarah looks pretty good. Will looks like you've been losing. Um, this is revolutionary, but men are bigger, stronger, faster than women. Physically. That's where it ends. Kimberly, I'm with you. Physically. After that, 
It's over. It's the only thing we got. So let us have one thing, ladies, all right? You outlive us. You're smarter than us. You anticipate better than us. You can multitask. But okay, right, men? We agree with that? We got one thing. We got big, well, some of us have, I used to kind of had, I'm glad Jenny liked my brains. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for you. Poor thing. Bottom line is, in Christianity, whether you're male or female, we're called to be soldiers. It takes discipline. I know I have family members that have served in military. Some of you in here, you know, if you go through army, and I know Marines, I know Matt shared, they, they throw you in a room at some point and throw tear gas in there and make you deal with it. Find your way out. Yeah, some, some of you have been there, done that. This is what we require of you to win the battle. And somehow in Christianity, we love this idea that we just got to be, every, oh boy, we're just weak. Just endure. And I'll tell you, one of the things that makes it essential to endure is in our text here where he says, he begins this enduring by saying rejoicing in hope. You know who is the quickest to quit enduring is those that lose hope. And one of the greatest struggles in my life, I, I can't, just, but I'm being really honest this morning. This was not in my notes. There have been many times where I have been on the very edge of losing hope that Open Door would ever succeed. And by succeed, I mean be effective for God's call. There were times when people were mad and people were offended and I messed up and people would come and people would leave and... It, and when a pastor permanently gives up on hope, and by the way, pastors are leaving the ministry at record rate, it's hard. Jenny will tell you what I say if you want to know a little backstory. When we're going through problems, one of my famous statements is if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. And then you wouldn't need me because you'd have all kinds of choices. But as it is, you're kind of stuck with me because it's hard to find pastors today. So, you know, you live with my little idiosyncrasies. You know, I do weird things. But when you lose hope, you lose hope in a relationship, you lose hope in a job, you lose hope in a, a health trial. It just takes the endurance out of you. And that's why Paul and God is telling us here, there must be a rejoicing in hope. Well, the question is, what is hope? Now, understand from a biblical understanding of hope, it is not a, I hope this happens as if it's questionable. Biblical idea, uh, a Jewish and a Greek idea here of, of hope is a certain thing that produces hope. For example, if I know after church I was going to Chick-fil-A, which I'm not because they're closed on Sunday, but if I was going to Chick-fil-A, then I have this hope in me already that's automatic there that I'm going to have some good chicken. Although I think their chicken quality is waning a little. No? Okay. It's just, it's just me, Gabe. I haven't gone to Gabe's store. That is the problem. Um, hope. As a Christian, what is our hope? Well, the Bible, once again, is, is pretty clear about what is hope. In Romans chapter 15, Now the God of hope fill you with joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope. That the Holy Spirit of God fills you and it's a gift from God that you abound in hope. Not just a little bit. But Peter goes on and says in 1 Peter 1.3, Blessed be the God of our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Ooh. 
drop mic. We have a hope because we know that Jesus came out of that grave. That is what separates Christianity from any other religion. This morning early, I was listening to a podcast that was going through uh, evidences for the New Testament and evidences for the resurrection of Christ. And I, I, I told you the story when I was in college, when I was having a crisis of faith, the thing that I came to is I said, I've got to figure this resurrection thing out because it all hangs on that. If Jesus Christ is still dead somewhere, this is just religion. But if that tomb is empty and he really rose from the dead, that changes everything. And all I would tell you is get on or off the fence, my dear friend. It either is or is not. You're either dead or you're not dead. And if he came out of that tomb, then it gives me a hope that living for him is worth it, number one. Number two, that one day I also, he's going to raise me from that. He made that same promise. If he can do it for himself, he can do it for me. And it also gives me a hope that no matter what's going on here, one day heaven's coming. Amen? Amen? Good for that. And if we have that, we can endure tribulation and trials. And we do that by having a rejoicing in hope and that we continue to endure. And then we pray without ceasing. So, endurance requires all these things, a, a measure or, or a abundance of hope, an attitude of I'm going to endure, and an understanding that I need to pray without ceasing. When you start losing hope, the first one you need to tell about it is God. He's the first one. He's many times maybe the only one. Endure. Endure through the hurt, through the misunderstandings, the pain, the attacks, the depression, the anxiety, endure. I can tell you as a person that has some issues in my life that sometimes all I ask God is, God, just help me make it one more day. Maybe you've never been there, and if you've never been there, I'm happy for you. I'm really, I'm jealous a little bit, but maybe I'd say wait. <laughs> but as we rejoice in our salvation of what God did for us to that empty tomb, we choose to remain under whatever God has allowed in our life and we keep talking to God in prayer. You see, if I'm a believer, I know when I die, I'm going to heaven. One of the classic books in Western literature of all time is Dante's Inferno. Have you all heard that about that sign that's, you know, it's about the guy that goes to hell and, and at the entrance of hell there's a sign. You all know that? And, it, and what, you know what it says on the sign? Matter of fact, I'll show you what it says on the sign. All hope <laughs> abandon ye who enter here. Hell is a place where there is zero hope. When you live on this life and you have no hope, I guess that might be the closest thing to hell on earth that there is. But you know, in Dante's Inferno, there's really a passage in front of that famous phrase. And this is what the whole phrase says or the whole part of that passage that Dante wrote as they were entering into hell there. Through me, you must pass into the city of woe. Through me, you pass into eternal pain. Through me, among the people lost for I forever. Justice, the founder, God, the founder of my fabric moved. To rear me was the task of power divine. Supremest wisdom and primeval love. Before me, things created were none, save things eternal. And eternal shall I endure. All hope abandon, ye who enter here. 
And as a believer, one of the greatest hopes that always ought to produce hope in the life of the believer here is the fact that you're not going to have to go in through that sign. It's no threat to you. You and I can dance on a thimble in front of the gate of hell and shoot spit wads at the devil. And I ain't going. Not because of anything I did, but because of what Jesus did. Well, lastly, and I'll be done. Not only what can you do, you can serve. Maybe what, what you need to do to this morning is you just need to endure. And then lastly, the third thing we can all do is give. Notice in the end in verse 13 of our text, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. What can you do? You can give. Give to the necessity of the saints, to believers first. You know, oftentimes human believe that people that call our church that just expect us to give them money. And if we don't give them money, they're mad at us. I actually, one of the few times I got in a fight, almost got in a fight in the church, was in the front foyer out there. And a guy basically broke into the church and I was not real happy with him. And then he wanted us to give him money. And I was not real, Jenny, I think had 911 on speed dial, you know. Um, but people just call and say, you should give. You know, the bottom line is in some churches, you know, and we should give to the poor, by the way. I'm not saying we should never do that. We do that here. But first, the Bible's clear we should give to the necessity of the saints. Same thing is true in Galatians 6.10. As we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, but especially them who are the household of faith. Or, because of our faith, 1 John 3, hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's goods, see as his brother have need, and shutteth up the bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in, in deed and in truth. You know, one of the greatest things of certainty of this day, or one of the greatest blessings, is if you're part of a real church, in the days in which we live, and the uncertainty in which we live, if the whole grid goes down and everything goes bad, you know, if, if I can get to some of you folks, <laughs> and I know where you live, um, I know we're going to stand together. We're going to give to the needs of one another. By the way, notice he says, but in word and truth. Sometimes the best way you can help someone is show them love, but then give them truth. Sometimes I'll, here at the church, we'll give someone food, and then we say, if you're healthy, really, I mean, get a job. Get over yourself. Forgive and give bitterness to God. Sometimes we just need a dose of truth. The loving Christian just gives what the other person needs, their necessity. It's not enabling laziness here. You know, I'm really thankful. Some of you guys and families here, don't you appreciate it when you're really sick when a meal shows up at your house? Now, I want to apologize to some of you. It will never happen to me. Please, we may have dropped the ball. We're not perfect. Please have grace with us. Sometimes we don't find out. Sometimes people think we just have, Pastor Danny and I and Pastor Cody, we just have like this, I don't know, God downloads every night who needs us. If, if, you, don't, if you don't text something to us, well, I told so-and-so, you know, I, I told Will Sanchez while we were talking about the missions trip or, you know, I told him then, and you don't know, Pastor? No, I didn't know. Somebody Please forgive us. But I can tell you on balance, if, if you're having a really tough time, I want to publicly thank Holly for her ministry of heading up meals. For, I, I imagine many of us in here have received meals when we've been sick, and many of you that time after time have made a meal and signed up and helped her. 
because I'm going to tell you, Jen and I ran that, and Jen more than me. <laughs> Let's be honest, Jen ran this for a long time, years ago. It's hard because it seems like we all get sick a bunch at a time. But I really, it's a biblical principle. What can I do I can give to help my brother? Maybe it's a text. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a gift card to somebody. Maybe it's just a smile. But just give. You see, in those days, people traveled around, and it was tough to find safe and clean places to stay. And so the early church, especially the pastors and evangelists, they needed other believers. They didn't have, you know, the Spring Hill Suites down the road. And hospitality was an important thing. Now, in closing, it's interesting, this paragraph I've mentioned this morning began with talking about phileo love, um, friendship love, being kindly affectioned in verse 9, uh, verse 10, excuse me. And in verse 13 where it says, distributing the necessity to saints, given to hospitality. You know what the root word is there for hospitality? It's that word phileo. The Greek construction of how this paragraph begins and ends is very, very similar. He said, when it all gets said and done, I want you to be fervent in spirit and serving and enduring, but just be nice. (laughs) Just be kindly affection one another. Why? Because pain is everywhere. I'm telling you, everywhere you go this week, the grocery store, wherever, people that you meet, no matter many who may even give you a smile. (laughs) Many people are hurting. Sometimes it's astounding to me when I start talking to someone and they start, it's like they've never had anybody to talk to and it just starts coming out the things they've been going through. And I'm like, man, I've only known you for five minutes, but they just want somebody to care. This time of year is is a tough time for me and my family. Um... I have been, I've struggled greatly being public for maybe it's pride, maybe, I don't know what reasons, but it was hard. Um, three years ago, uh, be about two, a few, a week and a half or so from now, but coming up on about three years ago, uh, my teenage nephew at 16 years of age took his own life. His name is Daniel. Um, I picture Daniel here. Uh, here's, that's my brother. Can you see the resemblance there? I know I'm handsomer. Um, and my sister-in-law, and that's my nephew Daniel. Matter of fact, I got another picture. Um, here's, uh, except they are missing Christy. <laughs> Christy, I'm sorry if you're watching this, Christy. Their daughters, but all three of the boys. And Daniel's down there. On, uh, he's the youngest and down there uh, on the end. And... Um, He, as many teenagers do, was going through a particularly difficult time in his life. And in the middle of a lot of pain, he he made a choice. By the way, I believe Daniel's in heaven. Don't let anybody tell you a lie that suicide is the unpardonable sin. It's unscriptural, untrue, and it's from the pit of hell. It's not true. It is immeasurable in the life of a family when 
you lose someone at the hand of suicide, the ramifications and the ripples out are much greater than you could ever imagine. And I'm not foolish enough to believe that in even a crowd the size that's in here this morning, let alone the crowd that's watching online, that there's not somebody that's wrestling and feeling like my life just isn't worth it. There's too much pain. No one cares. I don't matter. Please, please, please. Don't listen to the evil one. Your life does have value. God does love you. September, September uh, every year is National Suicide Prevention Month, and obviously we're just out of September. One of the things in recent years that's been a great blessing to me that I wanted to pass along, I had the guys put a slide up here for me, is now you can, on your cell phone, you can literally dial 988 and get help. And as someone who's dealt with suicide, I can tell you that our country still has a long way to go to help those that are in that position. We were reminded just a week or so ago in Maine of a man who was suicidal and had all these issues and our system sent him back out there with his guns. By the way, it's not the guns. If all these liberals, their laws would work, we wouldn't have had this problem, but their laws don't work. But I have been surprised as a family going through this issue that how many people have been impacted. After my nephew took his life, my sister-in-law was communicating with several of us and one particular day she shared a, a verse of scripture that had been very important to her through this process and it's Psalm 73 26 where the Bible says my flesh and my heart faileth but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever I pray that you'd recognize if you're struggling today the truth of that verse or if you're still hurting for the loss of a loved one. Well, several years ago, three years ago when this happened, um, we were in the middle of doing Operation Christmas Child because that's coming up here in two weeks, Dedication Sunday. And um, I felt impressed to do something personally and I asked some of you to do this and many of you did this with me a couple of years ago and I felt impressed to do it again this year and that is to come up with a, what, what I call a Daniel box. And a Daniel box is an OCC box, and I did Tommy Taylor style here again. Is this me? Does this approve, Tommy? Is this approved? All right, okay. Um, and um, a Daniel box. Not only am I going to write on there Daniel box on there in Psalm seventy three twenty six, but it contains a couple core things. It contains I, I needed to contain a soccer ball and an air pump. Obviously, this is hard to play this way, but you put this in here, an air pump in here, you can send a soccer ball. Daniel loves soccer. It was his favorite thing to do. He was a good soccer player. Um, and then the, the, the target is a teenage boy because in Operation Christmas Child, the teenage age level is the most underrepresented of all Operation Christmas Child. And um, 
So I want to challenge you this morning. If the Lord lay in your heart, you say, hey, I'd like to do that. Make a box for a teenage boy. Put a soccer ball and air pump in there. Let Jenny know or I know that it's a Daniel box and we can identify it as such. And uh, we'll ship those out in honor of anybody in your life maybe that uh, you've had experience in your family or someone you love with suicide in, in honor of memory of that person. Um, because something we all can do is we all can give to meet the needs and show love to somebody else. We all can do it. Amen? Amen. Lord, thank you for the time this morning. Thank you for the relevancy of your word. And Lord, I pray this morning for each person to hear. I pray if there's somebody here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior. They may know about you, but if they ever received the free gift of eternal life, received the covering for their sins that you willingly took on the cross and received the gift of eternal life, my dear friend, the Bible's really clear. It says, believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Would you trust him today as your personal savior? How about it, dear Christian? Can we just show love? You say, what can I do? Well, you can serve. You can endure. Maybe today there's an area of service you need to be diligent about. Maybe today there's something you just need to endure in. And maybe today there's somebody you need to give to. We can all do one or all of those things. Holy Spirit of God, seal decisions in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please stand with me and we're going to sing a verse invitation this morning.